If only our eyes saw souls instead of bodies, how very different our ideals of beauty would be. Now this week is Eating Disorder Awareness Week and I think it is a subject that is not talked about enough. Society has an understanding of smoking addictions, alcohol addictions, drug addictions, but there seems to be a huge stigma against eating disorders. I always think to myself, why is it easy to say that someone can't stop smoking or they can't stop drinking, but it's not so easy to say that someone can't eat or can't stop eating? What some people might not understand is that eating disorders and other addictions are a coping mechanism. These can be triggered through a variety of things like childhood traumas, it could be environmental, stress and anxiety, but ultimately it's all about having control over something. I have spoken before about the struggles I've had with my identity and when I was about 18 years old it really took over my life. I was now classed as an adult, I was growing up and I really didn't know where my life was going and I just felt I didn't have any control over anything. But the one thing I did have control of was the way that I looked. And this was my trigger. I used to stare at myself in the mirror and I just didn't recognise anything. Who was I? Who did I want to be? And I really didn't like the way I looked. I didn't like anything about myself. I had gained some weight after some surgery on my toes and I'd got to the point where I was feeling really uncomfortable in my clothes and I wanted to lose weight as quickly as possible. So I started to cut down what I ate, not just the food groups, it was more how much I was eating. So I wasn't eating particularly healthily, I was just consuming a lot less food. The weight started dropping off really quickly and that's when the addiction started. I loved the fact that I had complete control over my body and the way that my body was looking. I then thought to myself if I stopped eating completely then I would have full control over my body and I would look exactly how I had dreamed of looking. I would be slim, attractive, beautiful. It got to the point where I wouldn't even put squash in my water. Anything that added any calories or anything that I felt was going to be too heavy on my body, I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't drink and I wouldn't consume anything. I will be honest, there was something really thrilling about it. This was probably the first time in my life that I had control over something. It was all my decisions, but I still wasn't happy with the way I looked. I still wanted to change everything. 
I lost so much weight that I ended up weighing just under six stone. When I look back at pictures now, I can see it, but I really couldn't see it then. The only thing I could see was unhappiness. That winter, I caught a common cold and a cough. It wouldn't go away and I would spend all day, all night coughing. One night, I woke up at around 3am with the most horrendous pain in the left side of my ribs. I had never felt pain like it. The next few days, I was really struggling to breathe, so I went to the doctors and they told me to breathe into a paper bag and that I was having panic attacks. Now, I knew that I was having a panic attack and the only thing that I was panicked about was the fact that I couldn't breathe. They listened to my chest and said I was fine. At the time, I was working full-time in my local town and I used to have to park my car at the top of this really big hill. And I used to get puffed out on a normal day, um, but I started to get halfway up and had to stop, lean myself up against a wall and the breathlessness was just a different level. And at that point, I was starting to get quite scared. I was still living with my parents at the time and my mum was a physiotherapist and she had a private clinic at home and she had a stethoscope. So she decided to have a listen to my chest and said that she couldn't hear any air going into my left lung. So the next morning I went back to the doctors and it was a different doctor this time. She was really, really helpful and really understanding. She listened to my chest and then sent me straight for an x-ray. And as soon as I left the x-ray room, they came out and said, you need to go back to your GP right away. I was really worried then and really scared. My GP came out into the waiting room and told me that I had to go to hospital straight away and that my left lung had collapsed. So I called my mum and we went straight to the hospital. I then had this drain put into my left lung, which was just the most agonising and painful experience of my entire life. I can still feel it now. The doctor said that due to me being so underweight, my lungs didn't have the support around them and that the lining around my lung was very thin and my cough had caused my lung to collapse. Now this was actually really rare. I'm only five foot two and apparently collapsed lungs are really common in six foot soldiers and well, I'm certainly not one of those. I couldn't believe that I had done this to myself. I only ever wanted to lose weight. I never wanted to make myself unwell and to cause my family so much worry. It was that day that I told my mum what was going on and that I wasn't eating. It was a really, really hard conversation to have, but I was so lucky because my mum is just wonderful and she was so supportive. And she did, I think, one of the best things that she could have done. She didn't rush me. 
she didn't put any pressure on me to get better. You might be thinking why my parents didn't notice that I wasn't eating, but as I had a full-time job and I was out of the house a lot, I would always just say that I'd had a big lunch and if I was at home, I would take food to my bedroom and then I would chuck it in the bin. So they really did have no idea and I did everything I could to hide it. Even after my lung collapsing and having a huge health scare, I still couldn't bring myself to eat. So my wonderful mum started cooking all of my favourite meals. Now my mum is the best cook. So all of my childhood favourites and she would leave them on the side in the kitchen. So she never made me sit down with her to eat. She would cook the family dinner and then leave mine on the side. I would walk in and out of the kitchen to get water. And I eventually started picking at the plate of food that she'd left. And I then built myself up and eventually ended up sitting down with her for supper. I managed to build back my love for food and understand that food is fuel and that I needed it in my body to be happy and to be healthy. My mum then took me to see a nutritionist which was such a great help. I was so worried about putting all of this weight back on and hating my body even more than I did now. And the nutritionist put together some really great meal plans with foods that I call the non-scary foods. I do get some days now where if I'm anxious or stressed or sometimes overtired, I won't eat. Now this is subconscious. I don't do it on purpose, but it's just a coping mechanism, I think. And now that I'm aware of it on those days, I make sure that I have smoothies or juices so that my body is getting some nutrients. And actually after consuming the juices and smoothies, my appetite does come back and I end up having a small evening meal. I know now that I will never go back to that stage in my life. Like I said, I now have a love for food. I love to cook. I love to eat out and I actually really love to eat cake, which I never thought was going to happen. Now I know I was really lucky to have such a supportive family. So some people might say, oh, well, it was easy for you. And I completely understand that. I know that not everyone out there who suffers with eating disorders has the support network that I had. But saying that, there is always someone to talk to. There are plenty of helplines, online communities. And I know that you might feel embarrassed or ashamed, but you aren't alone. There are plenty of people that have overcome this and are there to support you. The most important thing you can do to start to get better is to take small steps. Don't rush anything. It's really easy to get stuck in a negative cycle and a negative thought pattern. And this can be extremely frustrating when you have made the decision that you want to get better.
it's easy to say, but try and stay motivated. It isn't going to be a quick and easy journey to recovery, but you can get there and a little self-belief will go a long way. Don't avoid your feelings. You need to understand your triggers and find a new relief, a healthy relief. This could be meditation, going on a nice long walk, or even falling asleep reading your favourite book. Just find something that will help you on the days where it's tougher than others. Learning to love food again and see food as a positive thing is probably one of the hardest things you can do. And for me, I found a way to have fun with it. I learned how to cook. I used to experiment with smoothie recipes. And then I eventually started to go out for light lunches with friends. Nothing too much, something that I could just pick at. And I realised that actually eating was socialising and I was really enjoying myself. There was lots of laughter. So then I could associate food with happiness rather than unhappiness. Talk kindly to yourself. You are beautiful no matter what the scale says. It doesn't matter. Don't obsess over your body and don't compare yourself to others. You need to congratulate yourself on taking the step, not giving up and celebrate all of the small wins. You are on one of the hardest journeys, but you're doing it. Learning to love yourself, as I have said many times, is not easy. But measure yourself by your strengths, not the pounds on the scales. Now, anyone who suffers with an eating disorder, they may not want to admit this, but they do need someone. They do need support. And it isn't easy for them to talk about it. So if anyone does come to you to talk about their triggers, the issues that they're having around food. Don't judge them. You may not understand it, but that doesn't mean it isn't real for them. And it's important for you to try and understand. The signs aren't always easy to spot, but if you do spot them, it's really important for you not to put pressure on that someone. I know it's difficult to see your loved ones hurting, but putting pressure on them is only going to make them shut off, shut down, and not want to talk about it. Just let them know that you're there when they're ready. The world isn't an easy place, and I think if we can all come together and support each other, no matter what it is, even if you don't understand it, even if you can't relate to it. Imagine the world if we were just there for each other. With no judgment, just empathy. With having a daughter, I do worry a lot. When I went through this, we didn't have social media in the way that we do now. 
and I think girls and women compare themselves even more than what they did 10, 15 years ago. So yeah, I am worried for her, but if I can use my experiences to help her, to show her how to navigate this very crazy world, I don't live by regret. If I had to go through this in order to share this journey for her sake, so that I have more empathy and understanding for the struggles that she may face, then I'm okay with that. So remember, you were born to be real, not to be perfect. If you have a dilemma or a story to share, please email lovefromlowpodcast at outlook.com. Love from low.